the Hot Take Hotbox. Let's go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney. It is February 4th, 2021. We are three years removed from the greatest day of my life since I do not have children, which was the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. And I, you know, every deer that gets ditched. It's just like a holiday. It's a celebration, a reminder of the, our greatest achievement as a city. Uh, not even signing the Declaration of Independence. That shit was trash. Winning the Super Bowl is the greatest thing that's ever happened in the city of Philadelphia. And so many people, all you Cowboys fans and you, you, just, you mouth breathers out there who said it would never happen. It did happen. You were wrong. The Eagles won the Super Bowl. They were the greatest in they were the greatest in the world at a given time, and it was it was quite a time to be alive. I will tell my children about it. I will tell anyone who will ever listen to about it. With all that said, thank you for joining me. Uh, I got a few things I wanted to talk about a little bit more. Uh, I'd say content, not, not you know whatever. Let's just talk about it then. Seri- things that have gone down since the last time. That we were here, or that I was talking, uh, and then I just I'll just run through it all and give you my thoughts. We gotta try to get in here, and get out of here. I don't want to waste too much of everyone's time. I appreciate you listening, though. Uh, I really do, and I, like I said, I, I love doing these. Sirianni, that is intro press conference. He fumbled and bumbled through the entire thing. Uh, obviously, extremely nervous. Not much of a public speaker. Uh, you know, it's not exactly his job, but it is a part of his job. Is being a public speaker and getting up in front of that room of, of not, not even the press conference, but in front of the room, of, like you know, in front of those guys and telling them what what you know, leading them the right way, making them believe in them, because it, it could very easily I could see that happening where that guy does that a couple times and they're just like, well, who is this guy? Why did we hire this guy? You know what I mean? But I'm, it's not you know too early to say that, but I'm just saying possibility. If the you know things like that continue, uh, I it, it's listen. I don't even want to make it. A bigger thing than it is. I'm just saying it's not a good thing. Uh, it was not a good look. I was lo- I was looking to be like, all right, hey, this guy's going to, I don't know, make me feel good about this hire or try to point us in the right direction or, yeah, I don't know, just make me feel good. And I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good at all. Uh, and I don't feel good when Lori speaks. I don't feel good when Sirianni speaks. And I definitely don't feel good when Rosen speaks. So I would probably rather just not hear any of them and wait for football season and just watch the team. That's that's what else can we do? Because at this point we're locked in, we're locked in for the long haul, and it doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. The more we hear now today, Ian Rappaport came out said that the Eagles are not looking to trade him, but they're fielding calls for Carson Wentz. And I think that I think we talked about that last week on here. It it just that that absolutely is what they're doing. They're doing one thing. They're saying one thing and doing another. They are building this team as if Carson Wentz is not going to be here, and they're setting it up for the the Jalen Hurts you know era, I guess you could say. But it's just basically building the team around you know building a team that can can pl- can win with him. Can win with Jalen Hurts and plays to his his strengths, because you can just tell that the, the every move they make is counterproductive to bringing back Carson. And Car- I, 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 Carson doesn't want to be back either. 
he has no intention on coming back. He I, this is another week. Well, it's February. It's February fourth, and we haven't heard from him. He has not spoken other than a nationwide ad on his phone. You know, on Twitter. I mean, so no statement, no saying, "Hey, I want to be here. I'm ready to get to work with the new guy." Nothing like that. Nothing at all. And that doesn't make me feel good at all in any way. And it just makes me really now hope. Uh, I, listen, I've never been, uh, I won't lie to you, never been the biggest Carson guy. I was, you know, for a while. But one, once Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, that that just eroded my, it's not, it's, and look, my love, my hate for, not even my love or hate for Carson. It's just, it wasn't his fault, but that's just how it is. I had, a, you know. He was the hot girl, and then it's like that meme, and then the new girl walked by. I was like, whoa, look at that. That's, that's Nick Foles. That's Big Dick Nick. So, hey, listen, he could have definitely taken it back. He could have taken my love back, no problem, because he got us there. He he put us in that position to win those games, to be in in the in the conversation at the end of that year and win, and give me the greatest day of my life and win us the, the most improbable Super Bowl, you know? He put us in that situation. He, none of us were going to take credit. I mean, credit's taken from him by haters and whatnot. But has, he comes back and even, say, plays a couple. Like, he hasn't played in a playoff game, basically. So there's not even a chance for us to even really love you or show us our adoration or, or appreciation. He got into that game and he got hurt right away. And then the next, the first year that they don't make the playoffs since the Super Bowl, and it's a complete meltdown year. Where he he hasn't talked to the media since he got benched. I mean, come on. I feel like I'm jumping. I'm like really jumping around here, but it it, it all it, it's it's all just so I don't know crazy and just it's hard to compound everything and put it all together and just try to figure out like what what's hap- what's going on what is really the truth here are are they really getting rid of Wentz or are they building around them they what are they doing. And like I've said, I I think Wentz Wentz is out of here. He wants to be out of here. He signed his ticket out of here by the way he's acted since the season ended. And I think we've seen all we need to see. What kind of a leader is that guy? Can you bring that guy back and expect him to be your franchise quarterback and be a leader in your locker room? Do any of the guys still have respect for him? Maybe they do. They know him personally. I don't. So it's, it's possible that they... They still love that guy. Or is it just a loyalty aspect of they've been here long enough, they've all been through it together, and they they have Carson's back? Maybe. But I think those guys saw what they guys play, those guys played last year. They were on the field. They were in the locker room. They saw what happened. They saw Jalen Hurts get on the field and play better. They saw Nick Foles in 2018 get on the field, save the season, and play better. So... I mean, it's 2017, 2019 were the two good Wentz years. Wentz was obviously 17 was insane. 19 he carried them at the end, you know, maybe against a better, you know, worse opponent and whatnot. He's two two on on years, on good or bad years. It's right down the middle. I don't count the first year as anything. That was right in the middle. It, was, it wasn't good, nor was it bad, because he was a rookie and he he showed a lot of promise and he he. he he looked like the franchise quarterback then. He he's given us all the uh, all the indications that he is. And then these, the, you know, this year was horrendous. And there's regression, and then there's l- looking like a completely different player and quarterback, and not 
not fixable, not not. I, it's so dumbfounding. Was it just the coaching? Is he going to come back next year and be spinning that rock like he was before and moving out of the pocket and just making all the right decisions in place? Maybe, maybe with the right coaching, maybe. It just doesn't seem like that's going to happen here. It feels like, to me, it's over. And the more the more time goes on, the more it feels like it's over. And the, they're running out of time. March March is the deadline, I believe, for when they have to pay him that twenty or thirty million dollars. That is a part of like the I I don't you know I'm not exactly a fucking cap expert, but that is that is like the deadline. That's the where. If he's here after that, he's probably staying. They're not going to trade him and lose out on that twenty million dollars. I think that they're <clears throat> that they're going to wind up owing him. So I'll be curious to see what what's what the what the next move is for the Eagles or what they do with that. I I'm kind of just want a resolution and I want to know what the deal is. If they're going to go with Wentz, I I feel like they're both going to be here. That some of the some of the things that they're saying is they're going to go in with into in the camp with an open open competition. Which that doesn't sound like a very good idea to me. From if if what's his, if Carson is as uh, men, maybe mentally weak is the right word or not as apt to competition or he gets he gets very you know fragile with these kind of things. I don't know why you would want to play around with that. Why would you, why do you want to mess with him if you're really trying to rebuild him? If he's really in this fragile state, I believe you would want to give him everything you could possibly do to make him succeed. And they are not doing that right now. So, I believe that they are going they're laying the groundwork. They saw what Stafford just got traded for and they probably thought, "Hey man, our guy's younger." Our guy has a, you know, as Ian Rappaport put a middle of the road uh, contract for a starting quarterback. He's got a lot of years left. If you really think you can fix him, you can come in here and give us a couple picks. Not not even first rounders. Just give give us a couple picks. Get out of here. And I think both sides are better. Say if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out, you could draft yourself a quarterback in the next couple of years and start all over. But you you one it has to be uh, a decision has to be made one way or the other. I think for our uh, to expe- expedite this the success, we to speed this all up and get us back on the right track. I just feel like it, it would be best for all of us. Get just just figure the situation out and move on, move on. Now, if you, I, I, I don't know how I would trade. I mean, I don't know if you would trade Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is your ultimate insurance policy if you do decide to bring Wentz back. But like I said, how can you do that? How can you do that? How can you bring him back? How can you expect that to work? In definition of insanity, I would say. Doing the same thing. Expecting a different result. Alright, so that's about all I have on the birds. Super Bowl, I did want to talk about. I think it's crazy. That story of the barber getting pulled during mid-haircut of like the center, Kilgore. Which is, that's insane. But, hey, do what you got, do what you got to do in this COVID world. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad that they were able to... I don't know how the stuff like that happens. Don't you think that that guy would be well tested beforehand? I don't know how any of that happens. Whatever. Uh, but other than that, the with like Super Bowl news, there's not much going on. It's all the typical media day stuff, but the media day is all Zoom, so it's not not the same. It, I did always enjoy the weird, like the foreign, you know, Chinese and all these like uh, 
countries and nationalities coming in to ask these questions, like that are never used to coming to these games or used to American football, and they're in asking Tom Brady questions and like the just the I don't know, it just the spectacle and the it just seemed like the just a bigger deal when all you saw all the people surrounding Tom Brady or whoever. I don't know. It just felt like more of a more of a momentous occasion, as opposed to now where it's I don't know. It just doesn't feel the same to me. That that could just be me personally. I'm excited for the game. That does not change my excitement for the game whatsoever. I am probably more excited for this Super Bowl than I have been in you know other than the Eagles one for for a while. Because the, the, this is probably as good. Like the I think the last one I was like pretty excited for was that uh, Patriots Falcons game. I thought like going into that game that that just like was hyped up to be like a good and it, and it delivered. This year, I, I think that this this doesn't even need its hyping. It, it it's it has everything you need. It has two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, uh, one that's already the goat, one who wants to be the goat. Uh, you know, you got Andy Reid who's looking for his back to back second ring. You got Bruce Arians looking for his first ring. You got a star-studded lineup for the Buccaneers. You got that the you know the guys the whole basically same team from last year for the Chiefs, including Le- like just a guy like Le'Veon Bowe has been absolutely not productive whatsoever, which has blown my mind. And I actually think Le'Veon Bell's career might be over now. I don't know how you just resurrect that thing after you couldn't even get on the field, even when Clyde Edwards-Helaire was hurt. You couldn't get on the field for the Chiefs or the Super Bowl champs. What happens now? Who who who's contract? You know who's given who's given him a contract? Who's making them their starting running back? Hope not the birds. I would I honestly would take him as a uh, you know next to Miles Sanders, but that's he he's obviously he's shown he can't really do that. Yeah, doesn't even have it anymore. He has not been the same since he sat out that year. A little Le'Veon Bell rant there because I, I I used to be a big fan, but now you're starting to see it's it's going it's going in the uh, wrong direction. Let me take a little swig of water here. Oh yeah, which brings our first first uh, sponsorship of the podcast ever. We're proud to say this podcast is sponsored by H two O Water. It's everywhere, and go get some and drink some. Thank you. Uh, Super Bowl, the Buccaneers Chiefs. I wanted to just give a little bit of a uh, like, not even a breakdown. I'm not your guy for a breakdown. Just give you some picks. Uh, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be giving some gambling picks on here. Uh, in the coming in the coming future, just to mix it up, and I I do it anyway. So you might I might as well give you my picks and you know fade them if you want. So you see what I'm thinking and bet with me if you believe me, because a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Uh, in this game, I would I I actually do think the Buccaneers. I don't know if they win, but I, I think they cover. I think it's a very close game. I think the there's no way they're gonna let Tyreek Hill burn them for 200 yards in a quarter. Or, or whatever he did the last game. I think I just think that the Buccaneers defense. I, I've oh I thought the Buccaneers defense was good all year, but they've shown me that just their cornerbacks are not good. Carlton Davis and I'm thinking I'm forgetting the other dude's name, but they are not they're not high quality corners. Uh, from what I mean, I'm no expert, but from what I've seen from the games, they just they just I've seen they get, them get burnt all the time, and especially in that Chiefs game. Who wouldn't get burnt by Tyreek Hill? But you can, you just you have to help your guy help your guy out, man. You just they they were leaving that guy out to dry in that game. I think it was week twelve, and they they I, and just I don't understand that though. I just I never understood how they didn't change it, and then 
by the end of the game, it was like, what? I think he had a crazy stat line. Like, 12 catches, 160-something yards. Like, something insane. Or, or, I'm sorry, not 160. Like, 260 yards and, like, three touchdowns. Something insane. I know in fantasy he had, like, 50, 60 points. Shout out to Joe Tracy. I think he had him uh, in, in my league. Yeah, For all, uh, anyone who knows the celebrity Joe Tracy. Uh, so, what... Um, what do we think is going to happen? I mean, I, what I'm betting, I probably would like to talk about. I would give me... I, I'm a money line guy. I always have been. I would I would bet the... I'm going to bet the Bucks money line. I, I, I just think, why not? The Chiefs... I feel like the, the line is so... I don't know. See, gambling's tough. Because you create these... Fake narratives. Excuse me. Fake narratives in your head. And you try to run with it. Oh, well, the line's like this because they want you to bet whatever. And whether that has any effect on the game, who knows? Who cares? Does Vegas really have an effect on the game? Conspiracy theorists will tell you, yes, it does. And purists would say, no, it doesn't. The game is the game and the, the Vegas line has absolutely nothing. But the Vegas people do know what they're talking about. Three and a half, the game is in Tampa. I think that that will have a somewhat of an effect not a huge effect I'm just I just I'm going with Brady going with Brady I'm going with Todd Bowles I'm going with Arians I'm going with that star power I'm going with they just figure out a way to get it done and I think they just need to slow Mahomes down somehow however they need to do it they just need to slow him down get to him pass rush needs to be able to get to him so those guys like Dominic and Sue and Shaquille Barrett Shaq Barrett they need to get to him but if they can't stop, if they let give him time and Tyreek Hill's able to get and you know get some space and get some there get some time to you know freelance and run his routes. If if Mahomes is able to give that guy time to get open, he will get open and they will beat them. So I think that the big big thing will be getting the Mahomes. I don't I don't the Chiefs defense doesn't really impress me that much. I think Spags still the defensive coordinator. I, I'm just. I don't know. It's Mahomes. It's Mahomes and it's Brady. And I think it's going to be an incredible game, but I'm going Brady. I have a couple of uh, parlays that uh, I would, you know, a little a couple touchdown parlays that I wanted to lay out there. I think for sure AB scores in this game. I don't think there's any way Antonio Brown is playing in the Super Bowl and he is not scoring a touchdown. Or Brady's not going to force feed him the ball. <clears throat> so I'm going Brady, Bucks, and Mecole Hardman. For the uh, Chiefs, I think they'll spend a lot of time trying to shut down Tyreek Hill, which will open up stuff for other guys. And I just like Meikle's number at plus 220 in that range neighborhood. So I went with him. And that is plus 185, plus 1851, which $10 bet would win you $185. So not a bad investment, ladies and gentlemen, courtesy of the Hot Take Hot Box. And I got another one, which is strictly just touchdown. No, no bucks included. It is AB, Fournette, and Mecole, which I think Leonard Leonard will probably be the bell cow back in this game. But I down the goal line, I believe. Uh, Ronald Jones is awesome, and I think he's going to take over next year. But in this Super Bowl, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna need that big guy to pound one in at least once, and that's why I'm thinking to put him in there. And I think that that's a it's a good option. 
at uh you know and th- that is just going to juice up the odds but a little bit plus 2218 which you know 10 to win 221 I I love it I like it I will be playing both probably be playing all three on Sunday and uh you know enjoy the game have fun uh obviously be careful be safe big C big covid still out there don't be doing nothing crazy all right so next I wanted to move on to the Sixers Sixers, uh, since the last last I talked to you, it was uh, Thursday, I think. It was going in uh, Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday night. Um, the Sixers were playing the Lakers. And the Sixers went into, or LA came here. They played a great game, or, you know, the Sixers played a great game. They tried to fold, you know, fold the game up at the end. And I think they were up 18. 18 in the fourth quarter, 16, it was something in the high teens. And they blew the lead and actually gave up the lead to an Anthony Davis layup at the end of the game, which I think was like, nah, I don't know how much time was left, nine or ten seconds. Or I don't exactly, I don't exactly remember. But, no, nah, it was a little more. It was a little more at the time. Not even important, though. But comes down to uh, Toby on Caruso. Little pick, little pick and switch. Give the ball to Toby. Toby. Give him the little shoulder bump, fade away, bang. Toby hits it with a LeBron late closeout. They throw it in. Anthony Davis can't get a shot off. Sixers win 107 to 106, uh, or 108 to 107. One of those. Um, I don't really think that the specifics matter. That's why I don't have the that. I mean, I have you know, obviously, a little little inside baseball here. I have some stuff written down, but. There's just some stuff that I don't have written down. And I would like to have that information sometimes, but I don't have it readily available. So, all right. Sorry, 107, 106. All right, there's your little rant. Okay, so what do we want to talk about? Uh, Obviously, meltdown at the end. Ben had a triple-double in that game. And Bede had 30... No, no. Bede had like 28. Next game. I'm taking a little too long doing this, but I did want to. I did want to talk about it because the Sixers had a really good week. At least I thought. Embiid had 28, Toby had 24, Simmons had a triple double, 17, 11, and 10. Joel Embiid just showing that he's the MVP. Then Friday night they go and play the Timberwolves, blow them out. Embiid at 37 in the third quarter. He barely even had to play in the fourth quarter. Only 26 minutes. 37, 11, and 3. Just, it's just absolutely ridiculous. That game was was a joke from about... I think they woke up right around in the third quarter and they just took off. They were letting the T-Wolves hang for a little too long for my liking. <clears throat> but they got it done. Uh, then the Pacers game, Embiid sits out. And uh, as a team, that, that was... That, uh, not to say that that's their best win, but that's like the one that like impressed me the most because they were able to. That's the first time they were able to get it done without Embiid, and the, that was like I think they were zero and five or something like that beforehand, and that was just the like demanding. That's the thing I was talking about last week. We can't look like a bum squad without Embiid. We have all these other players. We're paying these other guys hundreds of millions of dollars to be. To be, com- you know, c- complimentary basketball pieces who who can't do anything when when their their king's not there. No, and Simmons is. Uh, I'm told Simmons is supposed to be able to be a star on his own. Like he he 
This shouldn't be an absolute drop-off when, when this guy's playing. He should be able to pick up at least some of the slack, same with thing with Toby, and get it done. And that's exactly what they did against Indiana. They they looked incredible. The whole, the whole squad produced. I mean, you got Toby 27, Ben 21, and he was efficient, which I think he was 9 for 12. That's, that's his game. That's it. The best version of Ben Simmons is 21 and efficient. And I will take that if that's a if that's an all the time thing. I don't think it is, and I still would trade him. That hasn't changed my mind. I would get whatever I could for him. But it's good to see him trending in the right direction or trend in the right direction, and not give us just just sad, sad, uninspired performances, which sometimes happened, and sometimes happened, and sometimes happen still to this day. So and then, oh yeah, I did want to talk uh, Howard. the 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 impact that Dwight Howard has made, especially in that game, he had eleven and fifteen, and just the overall vibe that he has brought this team. It's not only Doc Rivers who's changed the culture here. I think a, a, a lot, not a lot, but Dwight Howard has a good has a good part in that. He has gotten these young guys. They they listen to him. They trust him, and you know they they. He's got them working out after games, and he's got yeah, I, like it just seems to me like there's just a vibe on this team that has not existed before. That there is a there is a real belief that they are the best team in the league and that they could win the championship this year. It was before it was a fake pipe dream sort of thing, like we're gonna work hard and we're gonna try and win. Now, I truly believe that they believe they can get it done and they can do it. And that is exciting. That is incredibly exciting. I can't wait to watch. I like. I I, enjoy, I love this team. Excuse me. I love watching this team. I I just. I I it's it's great. It's great to see. It's great. This this past week weeks like this when you go four and zero and you feel like you can't be touched. No, nothing makes you feel better than that. We're number one seed in in the in the East. Best team. One of the best teams in the league. And when our big guy's down, the rest of the guys are picking up the slack <clears throat> and getting it done. Corkmaz had 17 in that game, too. I did want to, I wrote a note for him because he gets a lot of shit. Uh, and last night, Hornets, they beat the Hornets. They kind of blew it at the end, but they still won. They, I, I, they, that's, that's something they used to do, too, all the time. I don't like how they let these teams back into these games. And make them interesting for absolutely no reason. But uh, I win's a win, but it's that that shit will come back to bite you, and, and I don't want it to come back to bite them in the playoffs. So I, I just I don't know what what you can do to fix that, or what you what you can do to make that better, or whatnot. I don't know, but that's just uh, just focus, and their just effort needs to be there for the whole forty eight minutes. They need to put these teams away. These are still professional basketball teams, and we own the Hornets. The Hornets have nothing on us. Embiid at 34-11, uh, and that's just the MVP. That's just shit MVPs do, and you cannot, you can't be shocked by it. Harris had 26 last night. Again, incredible. Ma- making himself worth the money and just proving all people like me, just the haters, wrong. But I, I still, to this day, believe we all had right to hate. Uh, I don't even think it was hate. It was, why are we spending money on a guy who can't, 
who can't perform, who can't score, who can't do this, who can't do that, who like, what are we, what basically it's, what are we paying this guy for? And your answer is this right here. This is what we fucking paid for. Tobias Harris to be a beast, to just not even be this good. He's well, he's well surpassing my expectations. And he's just, he's playing incredible. I just wanted him to be able to make corner, th- like he couldn't even make corner threes. And maybe that was the problem. He's not a set shooter. He's not just standing in the corner and throwing the ball and make threes. And he's even making more of them now. But I feel like he has thrived in that, in that get the ball at the, at, you know, in the, in the corner, like the corner three area and dribble into the elbow or dribble into the, like the mid-range area and just soak a, a free throw jumper. He's absolutely, he, he's just, his offensive game has just flourished this year. And I, I, I've enjoyed watching it. I, I love having that guy on our team. So uh, I wanted to give Toby his flowers and his credit because he is a big part of why this team is has been as successful as they have been. And uh, maybe that has a lot to do with the fact that Doc Rivers, you know, he's had all of his success under Doc Rivers, most of his success under Doc Rivers. And he probably has a lot to do with that. Shout out to Tony Monaco. He called that. He, he said he would, revive, he would revive Toby's career, and he has. So give credit where credit is due. Do want to talk about? I want to give more cre- <clears throat> more credit to Joel Embiid. I mean that we haven't had a guy like this since obviously Allen Iverson, who's playing at an MVP level and in the MVP conversation this deep into the year. I mean it's not that deep. It's just you know I think we're almost twenty games or a little over twenty games. That hey man, that's impressive. That guy has played incredible this year. He has carried this team. The Sixers are 12-0 and when they have their starting lineup of Ben, Seth, Danny, Tobias, and Embiid. Absolutely incredible. This team has done nothing but perform and just continue to obviously, and honestly get better. They're getting better as the year is going on. They're, they're, they're getting more crisp. They're not making as many mistakes some things that obviously still need to be cleaned up. Embiid's still turning the ball over. Ben's still not aggressive enough, as I would like him to be. But those are things, these are small, smaller problems that we can deal with. They're not, they're not causing the ship to sink. I don't, I don't want to be negative because this team does not, does not deserve negativity at all. They have played incredibly well, and they deserve the... The adoration and just the excitement from the fan base because I think that they finally have a team that can that can compete with the big dogs in in the NBA. Now seven games with teams like the Lakers, maybe that might be a problem, but as I would say, as constructed now, there is still some time, and we'll talk about that in a little bit for the for the trade deadline. Who are they going to get? Who are they going to get? You know, so they got four games until I probably do this podcast next week. Uh, Portland, Brooklyn, Sacramento, and Portland. Those two last games are going to go on the road. They're going on the road for like four games uh, next week, next weekend, uh, you know, weekish area. So, you know, that Brooklyn game on Saturday night. That's that's obviously a big uh, measuring stick game, and it's just to see where you're at with a team like that. That that's you know when I'm saying can you compete with Lakers? Can you compete with Brooklyn? That you're gonna you you're not even gonna get the Lakers if you can't beat Brooklyn. Brooklyn is star power to the no, to no end, 
how how do we beat them? How do we how do we match up against them? Who guards who? What do they do about Embiid? What do we do about these other guards? Do do we you know Seth and Danny and what what are you know can we hang with them? That's what I want to know, and I want to see us play and line up against them, line up against the best, and see where we stack up. So trade deadline is March twenty fifth. March twenty fifth is the trade deadline for the NBA. It's a little later than it has been in recent recent memory or recent years due to COVID and shortened season and whatnot. One name, obviously, that I would love to have and I would love to get. I don't know who else is available, but this is this is one that's close to home, and you all know who I'm going to say. J.J. Redick. J.J. would be perfect for this team to come off the bench. <clears throat> come off the bench? Come off the bench and provide us some scoring. Not even scoring, just some shooting. That, that guy, I would love to see him coming into the game and running off to White Howard and Joel Embiid picks. That would be incredible. And him not have to be the sole focus of the perimeter offense. Because under Brett Brown, that's what he was. Everything had to run through J.J. J. Redick. The way things were run through Embiid now, they were like running through J.J. Redick. It was dribble handoffs and either they would all crash on the J.J. or they would go to Embiid. Like it, it was just the most like just simple, easy thing to... Not easy thing to stop because of how talented the guys you're dealing with were. But it just was very predictable, very guardable. So you gave yourself a chance every night. Now having that guy uh, matched up with all these different people that we have, including Maxi and you know like all that, I think it just expands every, like everything. It just it just adds to our team. Uh, and maybe I'm just I'm saying a lot to say nothing, but I just want JJ Redick. Oh, I I want the shooter. I want I want scoring off the bench. I just want depth. Teams that win championships, that this is the kind. These are the kind of guys they get. You know, not even, like trade. You trade for guys like this. You get guys off the off the waiver wire after they're after they're you know cut or released or whatnot. You need to add these guys. The year we had our probably our set, some of our most success, other than the obviously the Raptors year, was the year we had Bellinelli and Ilyasova. Those were two miracle moves that they say, where they go. Those guys just fell into our laps. They were they were released like later later on during that window, and we were able to get them, and they were a big help for us. They 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 you know were huge parts of our bench and our team. The Ilyasova would be you know would spell Sarich and Bellinelli would come on for Redick, and sometimes they run them at the same time. But they were so bad on the Bellinelli and Redick are so bad on defense that you can't have them on the floor at the end of the game. That's why I think having JJ Redick coming off the bench for us would be awesome. Maybe that's not something he's interested in, but at his point, at the point he is in his career, he doesn't really have much. Uh, I would say of uh, you know rope so like I don't know like uh, he can't, he can't really he doesn't have much room to talk I should say I guess he he can't be demanding shit and saying oh no I'm starting you're like 30 whatever 35 you're old you're old as dirt bro come off the bench and bang threes for us now I don't know why that had to turn into me you know insulting JJ but pff, you know guess that's just how it is guess that's just how it is so MVP Joel Embiid uh, sing it, sing it till the cows come home. I got a ten dollar bet in to win three hundred right now, placed on 
December 22nd or something, like a couple days before the uh, season started, or maybe it was during when the season started. Whew. Yeah, but MVP Joel Embiid. Moving on, going to go to a little bit of uh, UFC. His water bottle is loud as shit. It just jangles around all the ice in it. I'm so I feel so obnoxious walking around with it, but God, am I hydrated? And I feel good. I f- I feel great. Like the commercial where the dude like the the back commercial where the dude like gets up, jumps. He's like, I feel great, and he jumps up, fucking does that thing, whatever. So UFC. Uh, Overeem, Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. Overeem, I believe, I don't think he was the champion, but he whooped Brock Lesnar's ass after he came back from the colitis. Uh, Overeem's, I'm not going to get, I know a lot of you aren't too into the X's and O's of mixed martial arts, and I used to do it. I I will do another podcast that more, like, in-depth talks about MMA and... I don't know, like I not like break, I'm not the guy to break down fights, but I like talking about the different, you know. Oh, he's a stand-up guy, whatever, you know. Like I just like talking about MMA and its own thing, and I could do hours on that by itself. But I know people don't really, you know, the mainstream doesn't really fuck with the the, the MMA or mixed martial arts in general. So I try not to force feed it down people's people's throats. But I do want to give some some picks because I, I I tend to bet the UFC. That's one of the things that I love actually uh, wagering on. Because you think about it, dude. You get it, unlike a unlike a say football game or baseball game or something like that. You don't you get instant gratification on your bet almost. And it's you're not taking a big of a like a, a chance as say like a touchdown bet or something like that where it could be all a bunch of different guys. You're betting a one on one fight that will be over in fifteen minutes. Eight you know, you you'll have your money back within like twenty, twenty five minutes if the fight goes the full distance. You'll know who won, who lost, it's over with. And then you move on to another one where you can just it's a whole new thing, you can restart the deck if if you're not doing parlays and whatnot, you know what I mean? So it's like kind of like horse racing in that sense where horse racers horse racing is like every 30 minutes when you're at the track every 45 what what not and they're just running through them and you're constantly got something next to look forward to and bet and that's probably what it feels like on like say a college football slate day but this just like more of like the I guess this is more the millennial instant gratification gambling sort of aspect of it and I enjoy that that part of it. That 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 part of it is fun to me. Sitting there, betting my you know my, I'm not even going to tell you how much my units are. They, they you have to pay for the premium subscription. Buy my OnlyFans if you want to know how much I'm betting per game. But I I just like I said I just enjoy it. I enjoy MMA and and the fighting and just the competition. How it's one like just the one v one. It seems pure to me and. I, I you know, you know, like I said, I, I could talk more hours and hours and hours upon how, how my love for MMA and you know what it means to me and whatnot. But Overeem plus one fifty six against Volkov, I'm going with that. Overeem 
his last couple, the last his last losses are Blades and Rosenstruck, and Rosenstruck he was beating the whole fight until the end when he got his lip split with like a, a like a prayer lucky punch. I think I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I just I listen. Here's the thing, and this is the thing you need to know about MMA when you're betting it. You could have a good reason. It's the same thing with betting and anything. Good reason this, good reason that. Oh, well, the, he's fought this way. It doesn't really matter. None of that absolutely matters. Those two are just going to get into the cage, and they're going to fight. And who they fought before, maybe maybe it, you know, at, at, it always makes more sense afterwards. When you know who won, then you go, oh, wow, how did we not see this? Oh, wow. How, you know, how do we, how, how do we not know that? He was just gonna take him to the ground and do the 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 you know. And MMA, you can always expect the unexpected, which is true. You, the thing you not like that Connor and Dustin Poirier, the last thing you thought was he was gonna get knocked out. He might lose. He might get submitted. He might, you know, get wrestled and just dominated. Whatever. All that shit was a possibility. Just in your head, you're thinking he's not gonna knock him out. But then he did. So that's just the shit that happens. That's just how this game goes. It is a ruthless, sick game, and it is just—it just constantly. It's con. I don't know. It's just—it's fun. It's just fun to follow, and it's fun to be involved in. Uh, like I said, Overeem plus one fifty-six. I'm taking that. That's the main event. It's a five-round fight. Overeem has been, in, you know, at least trained. He's trained for quite a few five-round fights. Volkov, I believe his last fight was. I, I think his last couple wins one was against Greg Hardy and the other one was not that impressive either anyway uh next the next this co the co-main event is incredible in this card uh Corey Sanhagen versus Frank the former lightweight champion Frank Yeager Edgar's plus 330 which is crazy but that just goes to show you how good Sanhagen is and how much they you know what they think of him. Frankie's fighting at 35 now. He looked good in the moon in the Munoz fight, Pedro Munoz. But Sanhagen, that guy is that guy's a different animal. That guy's a tank. He just KO'd Marlon Moraes with a like a spinning heel kick. The fight, I, I think the fight before that, he lost to Aljamain Sterling pretty easily. Aljamain Sterling made him look pretty stupid, but that that just goes to show you how good Al, Aljamain Sterling is on the ground. He wrapped he wrapped him up right away. But this fight, it's going to be a three-rounder. I think it's going to take place on the feet, I would have to imagine. And I just think Sandhagen's longer and he'll be able to use that and keep Frankie off of him. But I, that that fight, Sandhagen's minus 450. I'm not betting it. I'm not touching it. I'm not going near it. Edgar at plus 330 is 100% a live dog. But he's up against it against Sandhagen. So maybe a Sandhagen TKO or Sanhagen by points if you wanted to bet one of the parlay sort of, or like the prop sort of things. I wouldn't blame you either because I probably will mess around with them. But San Sanhagen for points, for like points or TKO, I don't imagine, I don't think Frankie's ever been submitted and I don't think he's going to submit it. Even though he has super skills, I just feel like that's a tough ask for a guy. He's up to minus 450, plus 330. Sanhagen is plus 220 TKO, plus 110 points. So one plus 110 is the favorite for the 
for the props. Manel Cape versus Alexander Pantoja. I'm skipping around here because some of them are, you know, minus 450. But I feel like that Sanhagen one deserved a, a little bit of a conversation. Manel Cape is from uh, Ryzen, Ryzen FC, which is like a Japanese uh, fighting organization. The last loss he took was the night of the Floyd May- Mayweather Tenshin Nasokawa fight, which is still to this day a joke. Floyd Mayweather would fight a, would fight a local garbage man if it meant he was getting $9 million, $10 million. And I guess we all would too, but it just feels like when you're Floyd Mayweather, you're just devaluing your name when you're getting in the same ring as guys like Tenshin Nasukawa. But that's just my opinion. That doesn't change his guy, that guy's ability. Manel Cape is plus 110. He's the newcomer against Pantoja, who is the favorite. I'm going Cape on this. I just uh, Pantoja is good, but I I just the guys he's knocked. I think he just knocked out Matt Chanel. Uh, I just and he he's beaten Moreno and stuff like that. He's beaten all the best, but I'm I I just don't I don't I don't know. I'm just not I don't see it. And I think Cape is a big time pal. Like, I, I think he got power, and I think he I think he could be able to put Pantoja down. So maybe TKO. Maybe a little dabble on TKO there. Uh, this fight, Diego Fiera versus Benil Darush. This one, I'm going Darush plus 100. Uh, these two fought before a while ago. I think around six, seven, five, six years ago, I believe. And Darush won. But uh, Fiera hasn't lost in five years. Darush is like a big time vet. And, and uh, a mixed martial arts vet, not just a Brazilian jiu-jitsu vet like Fiera is. Uh, Diego Fiera, I believe, is how you say his name. I, I feel like I'm messing it up. It just doesn't sound right coming out because there's so many R's, and I'm not saying Ferreira, you know. But, yeah. Uh, Benil Darush, uh, if you uh, you probably have seen his like incredible knockout of Dracar Close when he was stunned, and then he turned and pieced that dude up and knocked him out. And it just, it was like a back and forth, like, brawl. He just spinning back-fisted Scott Holt, Scott the Boss Holtzman. Frankie, yeah, submitted Frank Camacho. He submitted Drew Dober, which is very impressive if you look at it now. He's KO'd by Alexander Hernandez, which looks horrendous now. Uh, lost to Edson Barbosa. Uh, Evan Dunham, he tied in 2017. But now you're starting to look, like, real back, and that doesn't really... Prove anything. So he's won his last five. And Fiera, I believe, is, you know, in a similar in a similar situation. Uh both black belts. And I think Darush is just better on the feet. I think he's more I guess confident or experienced with long, you know, having the fight on his feet for long periods of time. Diego Fiera hasn't fought since I believe he fought Anthony Pettis. And uh, the night of the McGregor Cerrone fight in 2020, so uh, I'm hoping on ring rust and just the fact that Dairush is you know been more active and more experienced in the type of fight that it's probably going to be. I don't usually when these guys like this match up, it stays on the feet. Like when two like world class wrestlers or two world class jujitsu guys get in the, get in the same ring, it's usually a you know, an opposite of what it's supposed to be. We'd love to see these two roll, but uh, it's, yeah, and Fiera's definitely a more decorated jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu, uh, 
jujitsu guy. But this is a fight. This is a mixed martial arts fight, and I'm going Dairouche. And I don't know if he finishes him, probably by points. Another one I have on here, Michael Johnson and Clay Guida, which is an old man brawl. Johnson's minus 235. Clay Guida, I believe, is like plus 180, plus 185. This is a garbage bin fight. You should probably stay away from it. Johnson's 19 and 16. 19 and 16, and he's the favorite here at minus 235. That goes to show you Clay, where Clay Guida's career is at. His like last win, I think, is against like PJ Penn. It's just garbage. It's absolute garbage, and I don't think I don't think any of us want anything to do with that. Uh, I, and I believe there's a Devonte or Devonte Smith, who not the Heisman winner. Who this is a mixed martial artist. He's fighting Justin James on a on a short notice fight. James is coming in short notice. Uh, I'm taking TKO minus one forty five. I Justin James just got TKO'd if I'm not mistaken, in one of in one of his last fights. I just Jane, Jane's came in and he knocked out Frank Camacho early in the summer, but they they threw him in there again like to the wolves a couple times since he's been there. Yeah, he lost to Gavin Tucker by submission, then he was TKO'd by Gabriel Benitez. That and I think it's just going to be in he's in trouble here. He's up against it, and doesn't spell for a good night. Against Devontae Smith for Justin Janes. Next week, UFC 258. Usman and Burns. Return of Macy Barber, I believe. But I could have that wrong. Uh, next week, um, that's a garbage card. It is 100% a garbage card. But Usman and Burns is a great fight. I'm leaning Burns right now. But I will be back next week. And I'll break that down fight. I'll break down that fight a little bit more. I have a little bit more gambling picks, obviously, for next week. Uh, my boy Connor came out. And he basically just talked about how, you know, he understands the mistakes he made and he, you know, he shouldn't have done, you know, what, whatever. But I was just going to read a little bit of it. Uh, he said, <clears throat> this is, uh, I believe he put this on Instagram. A little single discipline, a little single discipline in me approach and stance with mostly boxing. It's what I get for picking this opponent. As a precursor to a boxing match against Pac-Man. I deserve to get me legs kicked off. And going in with this thinking. This is not the game to play around with. And, and 100% he's right. That's a, uh, I kind of echoed that last week. When, when I was on here. Just saying like. what I don't understand what the the stance was. And what, what was his. You know. Well, I don't know what his plans were. What, what was he. I, you know what, what was his game plan? Was basically my whole point last week. Like, why are you your whole? You got to the dance by being like this Bruce Lee, like floating butterfly, like you know karate stance, using that front kick, just you know totally different fighter than that. That straight up boxing, just walking, walking forward with your hands up. Like before, Connor never had his hands up. I mean, smart or stupid, he just that's just how he fought. He never he never had him up. So. To you, for you to have so much success one way, and then to completely change your other thing, you know, it makes sense that he's probably thinking about fighting Pac-Man or whatever, and that's why he did it. But then you're an asshole. Then, like, if you're if you're fighting like that because you think you're gonna get a boxing match or you're trying to you're trying to prepare yourself for a by like you don't mess around with a guy like Dustin Poirier. And if he really thought he could, then he is a moron. 
But he like like I said though, uh, and I and I tweeted this, and I'll read I'll read it here. But I'm just I'm glad though that he has like he's seen the error in his ways, and like that his delusion is not like taking over his life, and he doesn't think like that he like that that was the right thing to do, or that he made it like that he obviously realizes he looked like he looked he made a mistake and he didn't fight the right way. But the only way to make that right is to go and prove it. You can say it and say, ah, you know, like against Diaz, you know, my gas tank, I gassed out. I tried to knock him out. I didn't have the, you know, my shots weren't hit, whatever. But you have to, the reason that, you know, that that's forgiven is because he was able to go out and fight the guy for five rounds and, and win the fight. He didn't even dominate, but he won the fight. Go, You have to go back and face the beast head on and go and beat him. That's the only way you're going to make people forget. That's the only way you're going to go and get the bait, like the that title fight that you want. You have to go and take Dustin as the guy right now. He's the number one man. You have to go and beat him. And that is the only way that you can do it. And that is the only way it gets done. So, uh, there was not much. He basically just said that inactivity was the reason for why he didn't look so good. And uh, yeah, a little single discipline in his approach. He th- 18 total leg kicks, fully buckled his leg. This is his first time experiencing it's a tremendous finishing flurry by my opponent. Hats off. I will foot fight by the diamond. One apiece now for a trilogy bout for all them marbles. Wow. Exciting. Not a trilogy I was expecting. Yeah, like whatever, dude. But like, I, and it looks like they all want to fight. Dana wants to make the fight. Dustin wants to make the fight. And obviously Connor wants to make the fight. And they're talking about Mayish. So sure, am I excited? Yeah, I am. But do I this is it doesn't have that same luster or pop. I will be nervous. I will be rooting for him. I want him to prove I've always wanted him to just succeed and do well, but I don't want him to be looked at as a fraud. Because he's not a fraud. But if you go and, you know, losing to Dustin Poirier shouldn't be a, like a complete disrespect. The guy's an incredible fighter. He really is. He's a well-rounded, just veteran beast with so much experience in an octagon. He's never stopped fighting. So, well, it's, just, it's 100% understandable how he lost. I, I get that. But you have to make it right. Like, it's the same thing with the Diaz. Diaz is no, is no slouch. He's a tough out. And you, you got to bring your A game against him if you want to beat him. But it's not, you know, ah, I could talk about Connor all day. I, I, I just, it's going to be a long time until May waiting for that guy to come back and fight. That's all I'm saying. It's going to be a long, long, long wait. But I just hope he's able to. Sh- you know, showcase his actual skill set and prove to everyone how good he actually is, and that he's not—he's not some fraud that they act like he is, because he's not. He—he's one of the most talented mixed martial artists to ever to ever step in that octagon, and he just was not able to prove, not able to show it in that fight against Dustin. He looked great in that first round. His boxing was—it looked great. He was his shots still had pop, but that's not how you—that's not him. That is not the way he fights. That is not how he was dusting these people before. He just had so much, his fluidity and his speed and his movement was just unmatched, and it, it will it, it'll be a tough, they'll have a tough time matching it for years to come. Uh, a little bit of news, oh, uh, my boy Sugar, the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley, uh, you know another uh, another guy who leans into the Irish in me. 
he's fighting Thomas Almeida, March twenty sixth. Oh, jeez, March twenty seventh at UFC two sixty. I think I tried to combine those two. Uh, I, I mean, this fight to me, I love O'Malley, and I love I, that you know tough night out against uh, Mar- Marlon Vera, Chito Vera, but I. It, that doesn't mean to me that he wasn't ready for that kind of competition. Vera went and fought Aldo and looked, you know, pretty good in the fight. He, he almost won that fight if it wasn't for a, you know, Aldo holding him down basically for the whole for the last round. But losing to him should not mean you go back and fight guys like Almeida, who's lost four of his last five, who it seems like was on a on a path to go somewhere at a certain point. But then Cody G knocked him out, and he has never been the same since. He... To me, you only if you're in a place like O'Malley, this does nothing. It's just a basically to get your feet wet again. We already did this last year. You were knocking out guys like Eddie Wineland and uh, Quinones and just stuff like that. That doesn't like that doesn't do anything for me as a fan. It's like, oh, okay, the Sugar Show's fighting cool. Like I'm not buying a pay per view to watch you fight Thomas Almeida if that's what like they're thinking, you know? Because he'll probably be on the main card for that, and that that, that card's ridiculous. That that one has Ngannou and Stipe and uh, Volk and Ortega. So, yeah, is he going to lead the prelims? Maybe um, that might make sense. He'll probably be on the on the, the pay per view card though, because he is just that he is that kind of fighter. But when you're fighting Almeida, it just doesn't light the fire. It doesn't it doesn't get it done. Doesn't get it going. So that's all I got on UFC. I did want to talk a little bit about the Tiger documentary. I watched that Tiger documentary uh, like last week, and then I finished it last night. And I just am amazed at that guy. Like that guy was. I, I don't. I, you know what though? I don't even think I could give it the just do that it, it it needs. I think I'm gonna need someone else on this podcast to talk about. It. Like that guy was. I would love to hear it from his side. I would love to hear like like his documentary, his last dance sort of thing, and like him talk about these things and how like what he viewed it from his standpoint, how it was like keeping like sixteen girlfriends at the same time. Like, what was that like, Tiger? What what was your life like when you were at the top and you were just like just wiling out? That's what I would love to know. I don't know if he'll ever he'll ever tell the the, the truth on that. He probably won't. Because they said he would just hate that documentary. And it's crazy, like, the stories of his dad and him taking the chicks into the RV. And, like, it was, it, it was just wild. They they hit all the all the stops. But I would like to hear it from his side and hear what he's thinking. Not only about golf stuff, just about his life. And just what, like, the different stuff, you know. Like, how that all affected him. And how, like, it just, it made, it actually made me appreciate him more. And it made me like it did make me like feel like, dude, what the fuck? Like, with, with like with all the girls and shit. Like, I was like, Jesus, bro. Like, that's fucking scummy. But you know, at the same time, I it, they could they show you that like his dad was a certain way, and all the people he knew growing up were a certain way. Like, he only knew one way. He didn't think it was a big like, you know, being uh, unfaithful. That's like he he learned that from his parents, like from his not from his parents, from his dad. From from his from that dude the the random white dude that was in They're like his friend from the club uh, from the golf club, but I, I, like I said, I'd love to hear from his side. I think his ability to like compartmentalize, which is unbelievable. Like after that, after he gets into the whole, um, what's it called the 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 car like the car crash, 
he comes out that that next year and he's like he's still just getting it done. He's like just and his like it, when his dad died, he's like playing that he can sex education thing. He comes out, he plays right away. Like he's just a sicko. He, and he he mentally there's not a lot of people who have the capabilities that he does to compete and just to put things away in his brain to not think about the outside noise and to just perform is just it's unbelievable. I I admire that in him, just his drive and his just focus and there's so much to to his mental uh, to his mental aspect that has made him the greatest of all time. His body basically has nothing to do with it. They even talk about how they said Phil is like the most naturally gifted golfer. Like that that's like one of the most natural gifted golfers there's ever that's ever lived. And Tiger is like the hardest working golfer, you know? And you don't get like that unless you do grind every single day for the, for your entire life. Uh I believe it was like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. He was about to go to the moon, dude. He was going off. He won like it was like four of his first something events or something. Like he, he was the fastest to his first four events, winning in the year. Like it, that by the players, he had already had four wins. That's insane. And then he blows his back out at I think at the memorial. And uh, you could just tell. Like uh, I remember when that happened live. It was just horrible, bro. I just because I've always been a Tiger fan. So I, you know, anyone who probably grew up. I'm 25. Anyone who probably grew up around my time who he has any like at golf. Or love of golf, I should say. They love Tiger Woods. There, he's the reason. He made it cool. He made it exciting. He made it fun, like he, to watch. Everything about him has just made that sport ten times better, and just brought more eyeballs. And more, just when you know Tiger's playing, there's just a different buzz and a different energy. Obviously, I love it. I love it. I love watching Tiger play, and I, and I continue to love watching Tiger play. Just got back surgery. You know, so I, I I hope I hope that's not the end of him. I, he doesn't think it is, and he was starting to look a little uh, stiff towards the end of the year, especially that tournament he played with Charlie. He 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 looked slow, like not slow. He looked like uh, worn down and stiff, and just his back had had enough. So it's probably good that he did get the surgery and just try to clean it up. Maybe come back for the for the Masters this year. Or make a little, you know, maybe win a couple more tournaments. I don't know how much he has left in him. The fact that he was even able to come back and win that Masters is the greatest thing still to this day that I've ever seen. It's the greatest comeback I've ever, the greatest comeback. I already said the Super Bowl is the greatest thing I've ever seen, which it is. The, the, the Masters is the greatest comeback I've ever seen. That, that, for, for that guy, they, you see him like, and that, the video of him getting the DUI is horrible. It's just horrible. You see, he's not even there. He looks like he's like on heroin, bro. He's just completely faded, gone. Just you got you feel for him, you know. You're like Jesus, dude. Like that guy is just fucked up. He doesn't know. Like his back hurts. He fucking he's just probably depressed. Like just going through shit. You just you could, like they they tried to specify like that guy's a human being, man. He is not this robot that they all tried to make him out to do, out to be. He is a human being, and he is like he's a, a remarkable human being. But he still has faults, and he still makes mistakes. And I thought the documentary was awesome. They said he wouldn't like it, and I don't know why. I mean, I, I maybe maybe why, but you know, because it's not exactly flattering some of the stories that are being told about him. But it's just. You know, it was, uh, I, like I said, I would just like to see it from his side. I would like to hear what he has to say about even just the documentary, like what his thoughts were.
the shit. Maybe stuff he didn't like, stuff he did like. Royal Rumble. Edge won the Royal Rumble. I'm starting to watch wrestling again, trying to get into it, but it's kind of it's kind of ass now. Still want Triple H, and there's no Triple H. There's just Drew McIntyre. He's not that bad. Then I saw Goldberg too. Goldberg wrestled. Well, I was like, what? The hell's going on here? Yeah. So that's all I got for today, folks. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Matt McSweeney. This is the Hot Take Hot Box.